1: Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing and all that stuff. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Rugby Dungeon or at JB or, sorry, not even at JB, that's not even my uh, Twitter address. It's at <laughs> J Beardmore. How embarrassing. I'm actually going to leave it there because I'm going to introduce today's guest. A Twitter phenomenon, uh, <laughs> blogger uh, and podcast innovator. Oh, in- in- innovator. <laughs> but most importantly, good friend Lee Calvert. How are you mates?
0: I'm good mate, hello JB. how are you? Hello
1: everybody. Yeah, two worlds collide, eh?
0: Yeah, I did notice you had you had Jim Hamilton on a couple of weeks ago, and so you decided to come running straight to the other end of the popularity spectrum for this week, have you, from <laughs> podcast point of view. Cover both sides.
1: Four forty modest, mate. Four forty <laughs> modest. Look, someone has to uh, cater to the communist rug- uh, rugby community, so why not you?
0: It is. It's, it's a niche community. It's a, small, <laughs> it's a small overlap in the Venn, but yeah, I suppose we have to do it somewhere, don't we?
1: Yeah. So, we're going to talk about your podcast and you know everything else in between. But just give okay. you your, me um, your quick take on the Autumn Internationals so far. I know it's a boring question, but ultimately, it is a rugby podcast.
0: Do you mean the Summer Internationals? Yes. Yeah, you said Autumn. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, well, we've, we've, we've finished now. Um, it depends which team you want to go for. I think there's a lot of questions still. England haven't answered any of the questions they went there with, is the first thing that I would say. Um, in that, I still don't know who's going to play full-back long-term. I still don't know who the 13 is. I still don't really know who's playing back row. Um, but I suppose they have actually won, so that helps. That's England. Wales are in a decent position from my point of view in that they now, Josh said this on the point of the week, that they now, he doesn't now go into a cold sweat every time somebody gets injured there's actually <laughs> some cover in different positions scotland had that freak result against the usa but i my take on that was those things happen i don't think it was a lot i think i think i listened to you guys and you were saying it was an example of what scotland are like, but i think that was overstating it slightly i think it was just one of those things loads of changes weird environments are in. yeah and then i think they got kind of better afterwards really and i do just continue to to just do the necessary in quite a frightening way, really.
1: Do you, do you know, USA have won something like eight games on the bounce now. Yeah, they beat
0: Scotland, they beat Canada the week after, didn't they? Yeah, they, ha- they,
1: they hammered Russia uh, and they're beating everyone else in between, although, having said that, Scotland was their first ever Tier tier 1 win.
0: Yeah, and I like, um do, does that Hoku had a really good game and that centre, the, the ex-NFL centre, Lasique, is it? Paul La CK, he's a, he looks an absolute handful. He plays 12 for them, runs, just does exactly what, uh, you know, like a, a 12 from I'm 20 sorry, years ago. I'm sorry,
1: I'm with you. Um, an NFL centre, as in, a guy who used to play in the NFL or American football, now playing centre. Now centre for the USA, yeah. Yeah, or not, CK, yeah. not like a centre who used to play no, in the centre. No, no, sorry, no. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, not a snapper.
0: No, yeah, no, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. No, 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 he was, no, I think he was, um, he was a foot, he was a fullback or well, running back in NFL. I, I'm not that big a fan of NFL, that's what I know about it. And now he's playing in a really traditional sort of 12 role, but good God, he doesn't half get over the gay line and his hands are pretty good. And he's just, just that brilliant sort of, like a twelve and 20 years ago. Just gets the ball, runs a good angle and smashes it up. Like and Kevin looks... Mags. Yeah, exactly like Kevin Maggs, but with a smaller jaw.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do, work, you do wonder, don't you, when these guys with massive jaws and huge foreheads, you wonder, how, how did that happen, I wonder?
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, but Mags, where is Mags now? Is he like, does he, does he pretend to be action man at comic cons and things like that? Is that what his job is? I, have, he did have, that...
1: I have a feeling, if he isn't a stunt double... I think he's coaching somewhere I'm sure he's coaching in like The championship That's my feeling
0: Yeah The the Mags Henderson axis
1: Yeah uh, To be honest uh, Mags used to be one of my favourite players at Bath,
0: wasn't he You're a Bath fan? Aren't you? Yeah, he was at Bath for years, wasn't
1: he? Well, I you know, flirted with Bath in the past. Wow! Well,
0: yeah, <laughs> Are you are you inviting? Sort of. Um, are you going for a procurement exercise for your team for next year? Is that how it works with you? Do you, <laughs> do you put it out a tender? Hey, it, what,
1: have, what have you got to offer me for this season? Uh, I, I think this season I'm going to be supporting probably Leon. And I'm going to see exactly who in the Premiership tickles my fancy. It's all about the stories, though. It's not. So everyone uh, asks me, am I a Sale fan? No, no, I'm a fan of the team who's got the best story. Sale happens to have the best story.
0: Yeah, it's true, actually. The weird thing for me is is that because I grew up in a rugby league town, didn't really discover Rugby Union until I moved to North Wales in my teens, I've never had a Rugby Union club. No. I I'm don't not have either. one. I don't. I'm a big league rugby league fan, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> because it's been pretty miserable. But I don't have a club. So it's funny nobody's ever asked either. I'm not that interesting, obviously. But nobody's ever cause I say <laughs> a lot on the pod and nobody's ever said, "Well, hang on, who do you actually support?" Because I don't actually support anybody. I've got quite. A, I like Gloucester. I love. I love Gloucester's entire just their fans. I love the kind of slightly tragicomic nature of them. I love the fact that when they were really good, they still couldn't win. And I know that. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And I know that sounds awful, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I remember when I had to pick a, an NFL team. I, I picked the Cleveland Browns because they're just awful.
1: I did the same and thing, I, and
0: I kind of love them for that. And they've got that incredibly loyal set of fans who freeze their tits off in the dog pound and all that stuff. And I think, do you know what? I just there's something about that I really like. I'm an older fan in football, so maybe it's just suffering I like. I don't know.
1: It is. So tell me about that then. Um, I mean, you originally, if I, yeah. if I if I if I've got this right, you were originally a rugby league fan through and through.
0: Yeah, basically, I grew up in Lee in Lancashire, huge Leigh rugby league fan. All my family, my cousins played rugby league. I didn't play rugby league so much growing up because my dad, who's Geordie, was an incredibly good local footballer, and, he was, and I've got quite young parents, so when I was like seven, my dad was only 26, mm. so basically he was still like getting offers to play, so we played a lot of football, so I didn't play, so I was a big, yeah, so I didn't really... As I, I think I've said this before, but the only thing I thought rugby union was called "look at the state of that fucking tackling" because that's what that's all that was said every time it was on the television when I was a kid. It was basically my cousin he played for Ins Rose Bridge, you're a big amateur team in sort of like the national level at rugby. League. Well, national level that basically means you know Yorkshire Lancashire, but basically yeah, it, that's all that was ever said by my entire family when rugby union was on. And the, when when the when the when the Five Nations it was then was turned on, it was just, oh a bloody state of this. Turn it over. And that's you know, and then once they just laughed at how bad the tackling was
1: in their eyes. Are, are you still because if you listen to your podcast, you would yeah. assume that primarily what you're doing most weekends is watching lots and lots of rugby union. Are you still following the league?
0: Not anything like as much as I used to, no, if I'm honest. Um I still watch what Lee are up to. I go and see Lee occasionally. They got relegated last year, so that was pretty miserable. But no, I think what you find when you commit to do, and you might have found this yourself, when you commit to do a rugby podcast, there's there's only so much sport, because I've got a family and I've got a job, and there's mm. only so much time you can allocate to sport that's reasonable when you've got other stuff to do, like going shopping. and Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, you know. So I, I I used to be I used to write about cricket. I used to watch loads of cricket. I ran a cricket website for a while. I was paid to do that in my spare time for a while. Don't watch any cricket. I couldn't tell you who's in the England squad now, really, apart from the big names. I, I just there's only so much you've got to basically make choices and I've had to make choices to follow rugby union really.
1: Yeah, I, I do you know what I'm in the same boat. I'd love to have watched the World Cup this year. I really would have. I even had a week off to watch it and I just couldn't. I just had too much stuff to do. I have no idea. Like, I looked at the England I there were a handful of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, from a football point of view, I, obviously I have started doing the, the Nostalgia Football podcast and I was doing that every fortnight. And that's, that's a fall. I just haven't got the time. So you've got to find a way of making it work. And that, that's the biggest thing, I think. it's. And once you build something and you get something of a following, I lo- don't get me wrong, I love it, but then you have to do it. Yeah. So you've got to build it into your time and you've got to build it into – because people, you know – we are, unlike you, we, we are sometimes late. You I know. Caught, yeah. And you do get texts, you know, where, what's that? Because what makes you, and I find it incredibly humbling, actually, I know that's a shit word to use, but the fact that people text you and say, but I listen to you on a Tuesday morning. Yes. You know, I expect you to be in my life on a Tuesday morning. For me, is is regardless of all the shit we do is, one of the things I've, I've, I most love about doing the pod, really, that we, we, we creep into people's lives and, and we're part of it now, you know.
1: Yeah, so uh, just tell me about your, your experience with the cricket stuff, because that's quite interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, back in... I set up... Well, no, before I set the, the, the rugby blog up, back in about 2006... You've got to go back a bit further with me, really. I've always been one of those people who wanted to create something. Mm. So I've always, like, written stuff, even when I was a kid. I was one of, the, I was one of those kids who used to record myself... On a tape player, oh! And I, I recorded myself like doing skits and impressions and songs. I must have been about thirteen, and my cousin and my uncle found it.
1: And absolutely
0: fucking tortured me, and still, still wind me up about it now. Actually, <laughs> do, do you still have the tape? I wonder if they still have. I have. Even if I did, what would we play it on now?
1: Um, <laughs> Blood and mud.
0: <laughs> but it's a uh, yeah. Have you got a tape player? You're you're quite good with your kits. You must have one. Squirrel away uh, oh, sorry.
1: Sorry, I thought you meant what? You know, how do we get it out to the um, you know, to the gen to the general public? Um, not how do we physically play it? That's a great point. I don't know how do we. <laughs> if even if I had it, I wouldn't know how we could get
0: the sound to come out of it. I'd have to send it to a specialist shop. I, 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 but... I think National Trust. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, yeah, so If you got, I've always been that kind of person. I always like to write creative stuff. I did some stand-up comedy when I was in college. I've always I, I do karaoke. I've always been, frankly, a bit of a show off. So basically, and I've always never been really backwards at coming forward. So I noticed that this is this is you know you're doing a Love Island pod now, aren't you? Yes. If you go back to back about 2006, I started doing a Coronation Street blog. <laughs> I used to watch Coronation Street. I don't anymore. <laughs> But it was it was very similar to the tone of the rugby one. I used to take the piss out of it a bit. Yeah. And somebody who ran a Coronation Street blog, Got in t- an actual proper one, got in touch with me and said, will you do some writing for us? And I said, yeah. And it was with a company called Shiny Media. This was back in 2006. And then I noticed they had a dormant cricket blog. Ah! And at, and, at, and at that point, Shiny had just, it was that kind of, people thought they were going to make loads of money out of online content. And Shiny had been given, I think, about one of, I don't know the figures, but they'd been given a load of money by venture venture capitalists. And they went and spent it on a flash new office in Soho, spending it very wisely, obviously. Yep. And I saw this dormant cricket site. Long story short, I got in touch with the kind of managing editor and said, look, I've done a bit of writing. Uh, would you like me to pick this up? Because I was watching lots of cricket at the time. And they came back and said, can you send me some examples of your writing? Which I did. Then they came back and said, right, can you do 10 posts a day?
1: 10 posts pounds.
0: a day? Yeah, at three pounds a posts. And I went, no. I said, but I can probably build a team of people who can. Because... I was, one of the, I was early involved in the kind of minute-by-minute minute and over-by-over over stuff at The Guardian when they started doing online covers. They used to email in a lot. That's how I know Rob Smythe, and that's how I know. So I picked ah, some people up. I ended up becoming the editor of this blog for a while and getting paid to do it, and then basically about, I think, probably about 10 months later, all the venture capital money ran out. How, how long ago um, was this?
1: What, what, what was that, that time That would have been
0: 2006.
1: Really? And it's so weird, isn't it? It's kind of one of those things that, you know... S- <laughs> just been early i I mean if it was only like you know 2008 or 2010 and you know then 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 there's podcasts it could have just gone in a completely different way yeah
0: yeah so then and it was then when that died i decided to start the rugby blog because i still and the other thing is i'd moved from i lived in cardiff up until 2004 and i'd moved from there back to north wales because we after having the kids we relocated and I, fa- I played rugby in Cardiff and I had a big crowd of people I talked to rugby about. Then I came up in North Wales and my mates aren't very big fans. So I had nobody to talk to about mm. rugby. So I basically just started this blog to dump my thoughts and my way of seeing rugby onto. And it became, it, it climbed a bit, it became mildly popular, got a few freebies, got a few... Tra- I went to the, he- I'd like, Heineken took me to the 2011 final in Cardiff. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's probably about three grand worth of hospitality <laughs> when I look back. It was a great day, great <laughs> game as well. And um, so that, that did okay. And then, and I think I said to you the other day, I toyed the idea of doing a podcast in 2009. Did a th- few episodes around the Lions, and then just let it go. I wasn't really sure where to go with it. Really, I, I, I don't have many regrets, but I wish I'd kept going because I think we, I would I and whoever I chose to do it with, would have been one of the first. I think.
1: Oh, uh, believe you me, being first is far more important. Well, than being, massively. Yeah, far yeah. more important than being talented. <laughs> far more. Uh, yeah. So, did you? Am I right? Thinking. You got your rugby fixed. Did you play for Flint or someone? I when I played
0: for school when I was again my parents got divorced and I was 12 and we moved back we moved to North Wales because my mum's family's here because they were miners and moved pits and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, and I was my mum was a single parent and she worked full time so she didn't really have the time to take me or, or you know all the energy and it was a it was a messy divorce and stuff so she didn't really have the energy to take me to training and to things like that. So I played for the school. I got I I I played badminton for the local club as well then. And I also then moved to... I went for a few games for Mould and a few games to Flint because I knew some people. But I didn't really pick up playing rugby properly until I went to... Again, until I went to uni at 18. And yeah. I joined the Rugby League Club at uni.
1: Yeah, so I, I played all of my junior rugby in, in North Wales. I absolutely loved it. But sadly, I didn't realise how low the standard was until I moved away. I thought I was playing maybe <laughs> one level below Wales. <laughs>
0: You flat track bullying everybody. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, basically. I thought the team that I was with... I, I couldn't understand why no-one had been picked up by, by the Ospreys. It was a complete mystery <laughs> to me. It's like, oh, yeah, Southwede is still great. I
0: live in Flint now, and I go down the club, and it's still going. They're still, I, mean, I don't play now, but I go past it. It's still going. It's still there next to the D, with a wind-howling gale all the time and stuff. And it's amazing. It's kept going. It's some really... Strong characters there that have held it up really all
1: these years. Here's one for you, and this is one of the things which is it's one of my it's a bugbear of mine re- really. But you know, you've got a platform, you've got uh, experience with Flint. You live down, down down the road, and I tell this to my dear friend Brim Williams all, all all the time. Like, go back. Why don't you go go back go back to the club, even if it's only to prop up the bar for an hour on a Saturday. Um. I did a couple of
0: things. One time, I am quite. I did my level one coaching budget real about yeah. about ten years ago, and I coached under sevens for a year. Which I don't care what anybody says. It's a that's the most miserable job in rugby coaching under sevens. It's horrible, isn't it? It's awful. Please just pass the ball to each other. I don't care if it goes forward. Please just pass the ball to each other. And it's just it's not a great to of fun. Long story short, I'm quite a lazy person with stuff like that. and and, and my son doesn't play rugby because I never took him to a club regularly. Oh. So he's never really fallen into it either. And to be honest, for somebody I do love rugby and I want to see it thrive, but I've not, apart from having a podcast, I've not done, I've not done anything really in, in my direct circle to perpetuate rugby's popularity with my own family. Because, in all honesty, if I'm honest, I, I didn't want to get up out of bed at half eight on a Sunday morning every week. If I'm honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I, I and I probably I'm probably the majority, and that's probably what the problem is, really.
1: Yeah, and don't and don't think my uh, ire is uh, reserved for you. I tell Phil continually, <laughs> like, why are you not doing anything with anything with rugby? I don't mean playing. Just come watch a game and have a pint, just for an hour, an hour on a Saturday. Yeah. I always, I quite
0: like, I, weirdly, given I take the piss a bit. I, I quite like the idea of being a ref. Yeah, do it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, you've got some rather strange interpretations of the game. It'd be perfect. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> so no difference to any other ref. <laughs> yeah. have, have you ever? Have you ever uh, tried refing?
0: I have sort of. I've done it in rugby league. I've yeah. done it in rugby league in a kind of. We used to have a pass v present game at uni with, like, you know, with the past students. I ref that one year. It was quite good fun actually, but you think, it is our job, bloody hard. And it must be. I mean, rugby league as well is is relatively easy to ref compared to rugby union. You, know, yes. you can see what's going on in league. They're in straight lines. You can see what's going on. You can see what's happening to the tackle. Compared to a breakdown
1: in union or a scrum in union, it's a completely different world. I completely agree. I mean, I've tried it a handful of times. And I, if, I, if it looked broadly correct, it was going to be legal. And if it looked incorrect, but I couldn't explain why it was incorrect, you're going to get penalised. And I, I'm not going to tell you why. I explain to the teams. What, I don't ref. Yeah,
0: what you learn quite quickly is, I There's a couple of times where you blow and you think, that's because it's a knock-on or that's because that's... It. You blow and, and and then a split second afterwards you go, oh, no, I don't think it was. Yeah. What you then you have to do is just go, it's a knock-on. Well, yeah, do you know... And even though in your brain it's going... No, you're not rightly. And they're going. You're wrong, ref. And you go. What? No, it's a knock-on. Well, you just got it because you can't blow it. And go, sorry, lads, I'm wrong. Well, isn't this exactly what happened
1: to Lacey on the weekend? Which is he gets in someone's way. See, it happens to Lacey every weekend. That's the problem. Yeah, he just goes. Uh Yeah, we'll ignore that, shall we? He's made up his <laughs> mind and just there we go. The rugby incident. Yeah. Yeah. Rugby incident. What? What do you mean? It's seven points. Rugby <laughs> incident, pal. Play on.
0: Yeah. So it's again all power to.
1: I'm surprised.
0: I'm, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'd get more enjoyment out of in a game than coaching. Because I still feel like I was involved in a game. I never liked training much. So I quite like, you know, to be... To, I like playing, I didn't like training. So oh. I think it'd be nicer because you could feel like you're part of the game and not have to be too fit either.
1: Yeah, uh, refing's a weird one for me. I tell you what, uh, Tim, um, from Egg Chasers, in case you don't listen to that, um, he actually went quite far with his reffing, but he just abandoned it for, uh, for some reason. He, he really liked it. I can't really... I can't see how he'd get off on feeling like he was being correct and telling people
0: how correct he was. Though. Yeah, weird.
1: <laughs> weird, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't say it because you know the thing for me about rugby is it's like the camaraderie. And the thing about ref, it's such a solitary like pursuit. That is true.
0: And actually, because when he used to come in the club afterwards and somebody like obviously from the club would be nominated to go and have a chat with him so he's not still on his own. Yeah. Well you can't be mates though, can you? In fact it's it's probably a fundamental flaw in your character as a ref if you try to be friends and too close to players.
1: Yeah, too too laddie. Well they're all teachers, I find. Teachers or ex army officers. <laughs> oh actually, I tell you what, well, um there's one guy who refs in our circuit who is a curator of an art gallery. But it's
0: well, ex all source. Yeah. Still quite middle class though, isn't it? So it
1: still works. Well, yeah, so the thing is you've got to know each one. Of the refs in your circuit, and that's my kind of job. I know everything about them. Are you captain now, Ian? No, but I just like to know people. I just like to know people's business, <laughs> and then you always you always congratulate them, even when the call is against you. And you don't have to say, "Oh, great," you know. Oh, thank you for the penalty, sir. But you can put a little one in, like, "Oh, well spotted, sir."
0: What was interesting, I found as well is these when I played in Wales and then came to England and played as well, is, is that they don't call them Sir in Wales. Did they say did they I don't remember doing it in North Wales. It's always ref in Wales. Yeah, it's it wasn't when ref. I in South Wales, it always ref and the standard and not, of, the only people who called it Sir were English people who were playing
1: in South Wales. Yeah, and the standard of refing in North Wales is so bad. And also if you're a non Welsh speaker like me, um, who's a non Welsh speaker out out of choice, um, like they literally. There's only,
0: there's only you could say something like that, but yeah, go on. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> they are not interested. In, like, if you're playing Nan Conway, they're talking in Welsh, and you will have no idea what is going oh, on. Oh, that's
0: true. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No idea, but it's fine. You know, that's just how it's set up. In fact, I wouldn't want it to change. Yeah, well, you know,
0: Welsh is the living language in that part of Wales, isn't it? So it's per- not 11 of the
1: population. You know, make up your own mind.
0: It's not eleven percent of Conwy, though, is it? <laughs>
1: no, it's somehow it's two hundred and three percent and no one's ever worked that out. <laughs> Even the animals speak Welsh in Conwy, yeah. Hell of a club though. I've got I've got to give them that. Hell of a club. Yeah, especially
0: since they're underwater for about half the year. They do particularly well, yeah.
1: Have you ever been have you ever been to their pitch? Yes. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's staggering. It's like at the base of a cliff.
0: Yeah, beautiful part of the world. But yeah, So, a...
1: So tell tell me about Blood and Mud then. So yeah, I yeah. know you did the Blog originally, mm-hmm. um, did you did you well? Sorry, I do know this. You started basically as a, as a monologue, but then somehow yeah. ran into Josh.
0: Well, I've known Josh. Yes, yeah, that was a monologue. Realize monologuing with podcasts is really difficult because one, you can't just do this. You can't just chat, and you end up rolling into a situation where your mind goes blank. So what you have to do is write a script. Yeah, and then you have to deliver off a script. And then you don't sound very natural, so you end up doing podcasts, which maybe sound a little bit like the 9 o'clock news coming up later sort of thing, it doesn't work.
1: Yeah.
0: So I knew after one episode or two episodes, it just wasn't going to work. So I thought, well, who the hell do I know I can do it with? And I knew that you guys had kind of made a good, well, damn good fist of it, and I knew that people could do it over Skype. So I just kind of looked on Twitter, and I knew Josh was quite funny, and he was quite left-wing like me, and he had a similar (laughs) view of the game like me. And I thought, you know what, let's see if it would go and I remember emailing him on Twitter said, do you fancy doing a podcast with me this week and him saying that's massively out of my comfort zone but why not <laughs> and, it just, and, we, and it's like with anything it's just the chemistry isn't it because I remember once we had a guy on from New Zealand who on every conceivable level, level it should have worked He was he's quite irreverent he's funny yeah. he's a great writer I like him and then he came on the podcast it just did not work at all
1: it's weird that I know exactly what you mean and I'm you know it, it you know from our point of view we're just lucky that a tim is incredibly talented and hmm. b me tim and phil get on so well otherwise it would be you know it's, it's a nightmare and i have had it when you know there's someone who you think should be great and they just aren't
0: and it, yeah and and it's it's even more difficult we had to it's even more difficult over skype you learn a hell of a lot of how this is this we're on skype now but you learn and we're, we're quite experienced with it now but you learn a hell of a lot of how it has to work over skype and i suppose to be fair to josh bless him he does, and I annoy myself when I sometimes listen back to the pod, because I do talk over the top of him. Yeah. He'll be in the middle of a point, and I'll just start talking. And he actually, very graciously, just stops talking and lets me have my point and then reacts to my point. Yeah. And I think that's not a plan. That's just the way it's kind of gone. And I, and I think if we had two people like me, we'd just be talking over each other and end up probably falling out. Have <laughs> you ever,
1: Mid-episode, you know. Am I right thinking you and Josh have never done a podcast face-to-face? Never.
0: The only time we've ever met is that we, when Josh with his Canterbury worked with Rugby Shirtwatch, went to, he he got an invite to Twickenham for this school kit, schools of design kits. Okay. And it was an event at Twickenham for Wales, um, Italy versus England. And we met up and went to that. And that's the only time I've ever seen him in the flesh. And we've never done a podcast in the flesh. It's always been
1: over Skype. Yeah, I find that amazing because the visual cues that you get from interviewing someone in person the interviews are just so much better. When you've got, particularly someone who's not experienced with Skype, you've always got a guide guide them through. It's a nightmare.
0: Yeah, and we don't use any, that's the other thing. I wanted video on Skype because I thought, well, I'll be, I'll put my finger up and I want you to stop talking or I'll do this. And like This is all my idea of how it should work. And then, of course, when you just get talking, you don't need that anyway. And especially when we've been doing it for two and a half years now, me and Josh, we kind of know where we kind of rise and fall in terms of how, how we speak to be honest and, and what you i think you i remember you saying once i was asking about length of podcast, and you said to me just don't worry about how long it is because people just stop listening when they want to stop listening yeah just, just do what you want to do this is not like we're not on a schedule it's not like you know you're going to be finished by half nine because the news is on you know it's kind of you just keep going and if people want to stop listening they can yeah i mean and I- that makes so and every every week me and josh say oh we should be under an hour this week we haven't got much to talk about and every week it's at least an hour and 15 minutes at least
1: yeah well um I've actually been on your podcast before, so if you go back into the Annals of Blood and Mud, you will find my appearance. And one of the things which really, which really impressed me, particularly from Josh's side, because well, it's just that I was kind of exposed to it, It's like how much, how much he puts into preparation for it. Yeah, he does. He puts quite a bit in. He's and
0: and um, we
1: both have notes in terms of you know, behind the
0: curtain, you know, we both have notes. Um, I tend to host it and I tend to bullet point it and all of that kind of stuff. He does put a lot of prep in. He knows a lot, Josh, particularly about Welsh rugby. He he doesn't have to prep much to to, to go in and dive in and and pick it all up, which, again, saves me some weeks. We're quite good in some weeks. I'll have seen something and he won't have seen something, so he can pick up detail. But I remember saying to you once about how much prep is done. I think you said you just send a WhatsApp out and then you just talk around a few bullet points. Exactly right, yeah. What I don't have, which you guys have, and Phil in particular, but all of you actually, to be fair, if you said to me, who's the third best second row at X i'd have to go and look it up and remind myself you know you you guys know that
1: i have and, no and I idea off the top of my head. although right, i'm know, sure i could like it. it it's
0: not you it'll be one of yeah, the other yeah. two is the point of making whereas we don't have that we have a more superficial view of it because we're a different product really but yeah we do do a lot of prep and we do we we, do, we give a lot of thought to the um to the different features we're constantly trying to think of what can we do that people might like or that actually we will enjoy doing that's why we end up doing some stupid stuff at times. So actually, you know, I enjoy this. And what I realise is I listen to podcasts, and some bits of it I think this isn't very good, but I don't turn off. I just wait till it finishes.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So what I would say about that is some of the, it is completely unusual, particularly for a sports podcast. There might be some football ones out there which have the irreverent look, but you actually script it, you write it, you prepare it, um, and it does get traction. I mean, I don't know if you know this, and I'm not going to mention the player's name, but... Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of your bits, similar... I'm not going to tell you which bit it is, but similar to the Ruin Ackerman-liking... Uh, not Ruin Ackerman. Johan Ackerman-liking Fish Fingers bit. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the bits which is similar to that, but not that bit. Yes. Uh, I actually got a text from one of the players, like, do you, do you know this guy? What's he trying to say? say, say <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a, it's a satire. I create a character that has the same name <laughs> as this person. There's nothing about it that is any... You know, I've got no idea. Rhuan Ackerman likes fish fingers.
1: Oh, he absolutely I does. Yeah, I just wanted
0: to do something stupid. <laughs> so, Rhuan yeah. Ackerman, sorry. Yeah,
1: usual people take notes, and it does get uh, and it it does get around. Do you ever worry that the things that you say on the podcast get back? will get back to players and how you will handle that.
0: No, because I've got no interest in being uh, part of the established rugby world. Uh um, I mean I've had some nice things that have been sent my way by PR companies simply because I think they used the horrible term influencer about me once in 2010. It soon died away, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, keep on the good side of players for interviews because I'm not that interested. You know, you guys do a great job of that, you know, loads of other pods do a great job of that. That's not what we're about. I'm not relying on this for my living. I'm not trying to carve a career in this. I've got a I've, I've got a, a reasonable career elsewhere that I'm cracking on with so actually if i ever thought to if i ever got to a point where i thought to myself i can't say that because it might upset x and i won't get an interview with them i, I really wouldn't enjoy it to be honest
1: yeah it's a real tough one because most of yeah like most of the stuff that you do is complete complete completely harmless i mean a lot of it is and what i've found especially in my early days when i would go off on one say about stuart lancaster or someone and there's some pretty pretty harsh words words were said when you start to meet them you think actually they're just kind of guys they're just kind of normal people i would hate for people to say the same things about me i mean it doesn't stop me so much but it is a consideration that i actively think about now
0: i've asked i have asked that i remember you interviewed nick mullins and he said that he said that he was friends with peter taylor who managed england for a while and and nick mullins had said that he'd he'd done something terrible and peter taylor said i was in the car with my kids when you said that on the radio and it does. It does give you pause. But I suppose, from my point of view, I do think to myself: if they said it about me, would I be really? I don't mind people taking the piss out of me. Yeah. And I think that's probably what it comes. That's what it probably comes down to.
1: Yeah. H- have you managed to meet James Haskell yet?
0: Never. I got, <laughs> I got. I got. I got invited to BT Rugby tonight, and. They said Do you want to come look at the studio. And he said, "Oh, James Haskell's here this week." And I said, "I can't make this week. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that'd be a very good. I mean, the, the, you know what? In some in some ways, you know, I would like to interview him because I would like to just put my view across and see what he said, really. But I don't think he's ever. You know, what 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 benefit is to him to engage with me? Although I have heard from people on the quiet, he does get actively fuming about people who um,
1: don't like him. All I'll say about him is this: right, he is. I don't. I don't I'm not, ju- I'm not just saying no. say this because it might get yeah. back to him. One of the most genuinely nice and generous people with his-, with-, with his time that I have met. Very, very funny. And do you know what? I bet he would do the interview too. Right, I bet- okay. I bet-, I
0: bet he would. Do you know what, though? I started off, I mean, back in the very early days of Board, back in 07, when I just had the blog, that was when I started taking the piss out of him. It then just became this thing... that i did it became part of what i and and you know what i I said the other week i heard him interviewed on what was he on he was on flats and shanks yeah and he was really good you know he's self-deprecating and in parts i quite liked him and he's quite honest i think he's
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first
1: purchase.
0: I think he's got better the past few years with that. His public presentation himself. Then again, not he has to justify that to me. Fucking I can do whatever he wants, but it's just Yeah, so I don't really hate him. It's like <laughs> the same way I don't it's... think that that player you're talking about did those things or told that stupid story, <laughs> you know. It's just it's just part of what we do really. Yeah.
1: Um well tell me this. Obviously um you like rugby a lot, but is the attraction of the game to you and um, because of the way you broadcast, is it about the physicality of the game and the actual act of rugby
0: um I actually genuinely love the game. And yeah. if I had a choice to watch any sport, well, rugby, both codes of rugby, if I had the choice of, of like 10 tellies lined up with every sport on, I would look at the two that have got the two codes of rugby on. That's what I love, the, very, the, the sheer physical nature of it. I don't just mean the actual weightlifting power, I mean what it looks like. Yeah. The angles it takes to crack it. The, the development of, of defenses development how is the attack going to deal with this new defensive pattern what's this new coach doing i genuinely love all of that stuff and i genuinely love the game i can come across as a miserable sort of times but then the flip side of it of, of it is is that there's something inside me that cannot stop taking the piss out of things yeah and if there's something that's got a lot about it that desperately needs the piss taken out of it it's rugby union 100 you know the thing i love about it a lot the worthiness and the fact it does build character, that also needs the piss taken out of it.
1: Yeah, it is a ratio. From my point of view. From like, my point of view. Is it, does it build enough character to justify the amount of worthiness that it's given? <laughs> and yeah. the answer is it probably doesn't.
0: No, and, it, and the thing is, all my favourite people I still are friends with, I met through rugby, you know. And that's... It, Josh, who I've got a relationship with, uh, you know, through the internet, is through rugby. Who I get on with incredibly well. I love the game. I love everything about it. I want to see it do well. I just like taking the piss out of like big, powerful
1: things. Really. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then: uh, through doing the podcast, how 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 has it ob- how has it opened things up to you? Because, like in my situation, like we are meeting people or you know, talk like talking talking to people that we'd never hope to other- to otherwise meet or talk to, or just the, just the various opportunities. Uh, how has that all affected you?
0: The pod, it, with the pod, it's not really affecting me at all. Apart from, as I mentioned before, we got we, when Josh was still working with Canterbury quite closely, we got a few contacts. We got Robbie Henshaw to interview. We got the thing down at Twickenham. Got to meet and interview Billy Verupola, who's brilliant value. If you ever get a chance to interview him, by the way. Yeah. Proper value. I got... I remember about two years into the blog, go, leaving the pod aside, going back, about two years into the blog, I got the chance to interview Keith Ward, I got to meet Lawrence Delalio and Phil Vickery, and that was astounding to me. It is, isn't it? Especially given the tone of what I was doing, I was amazed they were inviting me to stuff, quite honestly. Um, so that I found that amazing. Since we've had the pod, not one, I don't think, I, I made the joke at the beginning. We rugby post, podcasting in terms of numbers, I think, is niche, and we are niche within the niche, and I'm quite happy with that. Mm. But I, and I don't, but I I don't think we've got enough exposure like you guys have. Also, you, I mean, you, you know, I get the impression you're an unbelievably energetic bloke who goes out and makes lots of contacts. I come back to my point: I'm quite lazy. I don't have the inclination or the time to go and do that. I see. Because I, I get the impression that you're the one who does all the work on your pod in terms of cultivating relationships, or am I wrong there? Uh
1: you're almost certainly hundred percent right, I'd say. I'm just <laughs> trying to think about yeah, pretty pretty much. But yeah, we but all does, be... does,
0: does does Tim being in BT Sport give you the access to these people as well? Does that <laughs> help?
1: Not really is the answer. So the nice thing about that, right? It's not so much a contact; it's the fact that he can then relay to us what it was like at a certain match. You know, who said what behind what, what yep. behind the scenes? Hmm. It gives you a completely different perspective of what happened that weekend, and you know, you do get some behind the scenes chat and some privileged information, but nothing juicy enough to warrant using it. So you might hear like, "Oh, such and such is in trouble," but is that a big enough story from a source which you can't confirm worth putting on the podcast? Maybe not. So the things that it really does help us with uh, is the like background information and you know, just like ge- like ge- general atmosphere. And you see so much stuff, so much more stuff at games. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, him working there. Yeah, not so much so much in terms of contacts, but certainly in terms of like con- uh, co- context and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. But yeah. So it's um, in terms of the access thing. No, we just I just don't. And again. I'm not that keen on driving hours and hours to go and see something. I sometimes get. I got offered some via Leo Vegas. I got offered some hospitality at Leicester. I, I kind of chipped out on it a few days before. I thought I'm just knacking it. I can't be asked going. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of because I'm not trying to do that. If it had been
1: ten years ago, I'd be more interested. I think I'm just not. I'm just not there at the minute. So for for me, it's actually more like uh, not so much the hospitality bits and the freebies that which are nice. It's more like the the people that you that you get to meet. I don't even mm. mean like the actual like rugby players. Like for instance. Yourself, or like they will yeah. be like, like yeah, yeah. A, a couple of guys on uh, a couple of guys and girls on Twitter, which you know, you somehow have developed a relationship with just basically through tweeting, and it's like just a whole new world of people that you otherwise wouldn't be talking to.
0: I always said that about Twitter people say, What people are not on it, what what's the point of it? I said, You'd have to understand it's like having a conversation with a group of friends who are really kind of entertaining about something that you really like, yeah, all the time, like all the way through a game. It's like being in a pub. Watching a game with people you actually want to stand next to, yes. as opposed to going to an actual pub where you go, I wish he, sh- I wish offside man stop shouting offside all the time, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. That's and that's why I love about it. And I, I, I've kind of moved away from Facebook now, apart from the, cor- the kind of, you know, pod pages and stuff, because Twitter's kind of where it's at for me, I suppose. Com-
1: completely agree there. Um, book, ah.
0: but, I, d- I, d- but um, I know I've been blocked by Haskell. Uh, I've been blocked by Stephen Jones because have you been blocked by Stephen Jones
1: I have and I've met Stephen yeah, Jones everybody does
0: yeah everybody gets blocked by him I've been blocked by I've been blocked by, I've been blocked by Austin Healy wow even though even though I've never actually had any direct contact with him Amazing. I've also been blocked by somebody else I found last week I can't remember who I'd never had any direct contact with either yes. but I think Healy because I've never I, I never ever at anybody the only time people find out I'm saying something is if somebody clues them in or they're searching for their own name yeah we've all done that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's why I don't have my own name on Twitter it's easier
1: yeah I mean we've been blocked by like a handful of people but oh Stephen Jones obviously so I met Stephen Jones at Sale the one time that he bothered to, to come up north and uh, I told him how much I enjoy his writing because to be fair he's a bloody good writer that's, that's the annoying he is, thing yeah. he's always yeah. on point and I told him that he he was very gracious he accepted it and then asked him will you unblock me to which he said I don't know how to block people do it for me and I'm not sure I believe him I don't believe that
0: for a second. Because why does it always happen in second after he's just called somebody a dickhead? <laughs> yeah. Unless he's probably so advanced he's built his own bot.
1: Yeah, yeah, ma- yeah, maybe. Or or someone's working as Twitter, and then they shout the tweets to him, and he shouts back. Yeah, call them a dickhead and then block them.
0: <laughs> That's probably more like the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's because really, even reasonable disagreements with him end up getting blocked. He's just he, Paul Williams, who we have on the pod regularly. He's now he is. By
1: I, the way. I, I, I wanted to talk about that because you say you don't want to get into the rugby mainstream, yeah. I think paul's fairly rugby mainstream, but out of all the mainstream guys, he is probably the best he is he is a very very good writer and even better on the podcast to be fair
0: he's he's an amazing he's very very good his twitter account's amazing but Paul likes coming to us because he feels like it's stepping out of the mainstream a bit. Mm-hmm. He likes he can swear a bit and say stuff. But he always, obviously, he's got his career to think of, so he always tempers it a bit. But he likes that he can step over a little bit from time to time, I think. Well, I don't think he's told me that. I don't want to speak for him, but that's what, that's what he does. But Paul was saying about that Stephen George is a genuinely lovely guy. And he's met him, he's a nice bloke, and it's all fine. It's just that he just hasn't, he doesn't seem to have the, the character to deal with Twitter. I do.
1: I, I think I agree with that. Because when I met him, he was absolutely lovely. Um, and, you know, if you catch me on the wrong day on Twitter, you might think I'm an absolute arse. In fact, it probably relatively closely reflects my personality, in, in, in fairness. But you catch anyone on, on, on the wrong day, they can look terrible on Twitter.
0: They can, and there are times when I, I stopped uh, drinking in 2013. I, I can't I look, believe this. Look, You're actually teetotal. I am yeah, and I look. I look back at some of the stuff that I did at two o'clock in the morning in two thousand and eleven, and go, oh my god. <laughs> so, in fact, I'm thinking about deleting everything prior to twenty thirteen. I'm not going to really, but you know, it's kind of
1: <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, what What do you think about the pod sca- the podcast landscape at the moment, in terms of the amount which are out there? Do, do you think many of them are many of them are, are, are contributing, and also how would you consider the what we call the main the mainstream still
0: um i think there's a problem with podcast I'll, I'll speak for rugby i think there's a problem I, I, mean, I do a podcast i don't consider myself an expert on it but i think there's there's a problem with major major media organizations just jump dumping all of their content into a podcast app yeah because it can because pl- because of their brand and all that it's, it, it it just devalues everything Even if you take them out of it, you've got the likes of yourselves, you've got uh, the Times are doing it and all that kind of stuff. You've got the rugby pod, you've got Flats and Shanks. It it becomes a maths problem. There's only so much time that people have to listen. Yeah. And if they like rugby, I mean, I, I do notice there's some people who listen to my pod, your pod, and every other pod, and I think, wow, you must really like rugby, you know. But I think most people pick one or two rugby pods max. Yeah. And when you've got... I mean, how many are there now? But it's probably been the last two years, there's been so many launches. And I feel sorry for people. We were relatively late to it in 2015. Well,
1: I, I don't... So I, so, I seem to remember you being basically the second ones on the scene. I don't remember anyone else. Maybe,
0: yeah. We, sure World sure. Cup 2015, we, and we were in the top 10 in the charts for probably after about six months, for the next six months, we used to get in every week yeah. episode. And it was basically... Well, I remember because the, the top 10 was... Nine of, nine of your episodes are then us, <laughs> basically. But then, um, but I feel so, there's some really good content out there, but I don't think any independent rugby pod now is, stands a chance. The only reason why the rugby pod worked is because of the massive names that are attached to it. And they've obviously invested a lot of money there. They've got sponsorships. to back backed by Rugby Pass. They're going around the country doing it. That's why that's – plus, It's good, you know, the content's
1: decent. It is good. I mean, to yeah. be fair to the boys, they're all, they all very, very good.
0: Yeah, and and I think they're kind of bang on a certain kind of rugby demographic. I, again, to go back to the beginning, you know, there's not many communist rugby fans, are there? So I, mean, I know you know. We're not a huge amount. <laughs> so oh, uh, so although, and I weirdly, know, they
1: all that. seem to be in rugby media. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like most <laughs> can of guys... Can I
0: sit, can I strap myself in now while you go off on a monologue about this? Go <laughs> yeah,
1: on. I mean, like <laughs> most of the, um, most of the, like most of the writers. I mean, you look at some of the, some of their tweets, you think what what stick to rugby stick to rugby all oh, right yeah yeah
0: Like right. Gary Lineker of pound shop Noel Chomsky yeah so what was the question about the podcast landscape yeah the listeners my, our listeners keep going up very slowly but I think just as a, I think we're getting that just somebody tells their friend and they listen and they might stick around sort of thing it's hard to I think everyone thought at some point you could make a fortune doing a podcast that's never going to happen I don't think
1: no. Well, no. Maybe. I mean you've got to be right up there. You've got to have serious numbers. You've got to, you've have,
0: got to be this American life, haven't you, you know? You've
1: got to have four million a year, something like that.
0: Yeah. Fair. Well you're not doing too bad then, I imagine.
1: Uh we are not for four million a year, but like you've got to have yeah twelve million a year. I mean that is. You can make were, I a, mean
0: they were oh seven they started.
1: Yeah, you can make a seriously perfect, good living crazy. with that I mean
0: it one, the product's very good, but that plus the fact they were first is is amazing.
1: Yeah, damn it, if only we were earlier. Even only. earlier, <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys did all right because you were first movers, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I, I think we were the first ones on the, on the market. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Hmm. So, other other, other than uh, podcasts and writing, and writing your own things, what in the rugby world is keeping you up at night? What are you what What are the big issues for you in the world of rugby?
0: Uh, England's lack of a twelve and a seven okay after after 10
1: years no sorry just to be clear you are an english rugby fan aren't you despite your history yes. with wales you're an english rugby fan
0: yeah i am english i live in wales i've lived in wales more of my life i've lived in england actually but i am english and i'm an english rugby fan yeah yeah uh, yeah so that that troubles me um generally speaking i am worried about the increasingly the increased need to tinker with the laws for player welfare. I've yes. got, I'm have got. i not one of these games gone simple at all, and I think welfare is important. What I don't like is that I do think that to, from some quarters, it's difficult to say, I don't think that really works to you without getting a response that lots of head injuries and do you want people to die yeah. sort of thing. And that's, that worries me because um, there is something about an assumed level of risk. If you ask yourself the question, right? If you asked anybody a question, I work in social care, and you ask, you, it's often asked a question about people who have dementia, right? Before you've got dementia, if I asked you the question, what risks would you be willing to take to maintain the life that you want to lead?
1: Mm.
0: You'd have to answer that question. But if you think about it, I know I'd, wanna, I'd take a hell of a lot of risk to still be able to play my guitar and live with my wife and do my rugby podcast and all of that kind of stuff. And there's something about that in the rugby. What risks are you willing to take as a player to do this thing that you love?
1: exactly exactly and how, right. do you,
0: how do you mirror, how do you overlap the safety on top of that and still make it a game that we want to play and want to watch
1: and isn't it the inherent risk that makes it attractive
0: one of these people and i don't believe it's going to become a game of touch and pass or anything i think that's just, that's as shrill as the other side of it but i do worry about you don't get to a game you don't recognize in one step it happens six inches at a time
1: yeah Well, that's my worry. It's kind of like the smoking debate, isn't it? Which is like, if I was a smoker, I've never smoked in my life. But if I was a smoker, and I could go back fifteen years, and they told me, you know, do you think it's reasonable for you to stand outside? I'd say no. It is not. It is not reasonable (laughs) at the slightest. Because fast forward fifteen years, and I can't smoke within three miles of a public park. So, you know, I kind of feel that we've got to stop. There's a certain point where you've got to say, the risk that rugby players are taking is absolutely fine. Can we make the game safer without you know, affecting the game too much? If we can, absolutely fine. But it is a it is a risky game. It is a very risky game, and that's what I why mean we we need to do it.
0: something to protect people's heads. I'm not saying we don't. I'm well, just you know. D- I
1: mean, yes, we do. And the problem is, so I'm doing it now. But the problem is, <clears throat> if you say no, we don't, you are a pariah, right? And actually, when you look at. Yeah, I say the volume of evidence because people will then go, "Well, look, you know, look at the studies." But then, you know, if you ask professional rugby players, like, you know, do you know anyone who's seriously suffering from concussion now? A lot of them say, "Well, no." And also, you ask them, "Would you take the same risks again?" And they say, "Well, yeah, probably." And I wonder if it's more about the optics of the whole thing and trying to attract and new there, people to sport than else. There's,
0: and there's the worry about you know is it is this is just a liability argument? Yeah. You if you're going to be cynical, is that liable? A friend of mine says it's no coincidence that they changed the scrum call <clears throat> from engage to set. Because if you get your neck busted in a scrum,
1: they're oh, going to say, wow. you know,
0: do we, you know the, the rugby board are saying, we didn't tell you to engage, we just told you to set. You chose to do that. We're not telling you to actually engage.
1: The, the reason I don't think that is because, um, take the tackle height stuff. Now, I sincerely think it is safer for a tackler to wrap his arm around someone's nose than it is for, sorry, a tackler to wrap his arm around someone's nose than the tackler to have to put his head in someone's hips or knees.
0: Um, I think it depends how you put your head in somebody's hips, really. If we went back to how people used to tackle, where you put the head behind the small of the back and did the ring of steel.
1: The ring of steel? And and drop down?
0: The old ring of steel and slide down. It doesn't. It's, it's not very Hollywood, but,
1: yeah, you know, that's and I think that's what they're trying to get back to. I think yeah, you you, you might be you might be right there, but if you talk to any any defense coach, right, they're not saying complete the tackle; they're saying win the collision. I mean, and also the terminology terminology is important. Win the collision. I mean, if you want some liability, if that came to court and said, "Well, what what were you trying to do?" Well, I was trying to win the collision. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't sound great,
0: but I think that's what I think that's the culture change they're trying to push through.
1: Yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, uh, I'd like to look at the difference of you know of incidents between rugby league and rugby union. My impression on this is it's purely um, a- an aesthetic thing. Fine, go with it. I'm just not convinced it does. I think it's more about uh, attracting more people to the game, keeping sponsors happy, keeping keeping the money flowing in.
0: And you, well, you know, like any decision has to be made with the benefits and burdens table, doesn't it? Mm. What's the benefits in this? What's the burdens of doing it? And that's just the kind of thing you were doing then. You know, the benefits are we'll keep sponsors, money will keep coming in. We might get more people playing. The burdens are that the established people who are playing might drift away from the game. I think they've I think they've done that and, and done a risk analysis and gone. Actually, do you know what? I think people who love rugby will stick with it, whatever.
1: Here's one for you. Do you reckon there's a an opportunity for a rugby league to re-establish itself if rugby union goes too far down this almost like populist route of? How uh, can I say, like, the de contacting of rugby union?
0: One, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd question your re establish itself. I don't know when it was ever established to a level. Well, if you go back to 1887, maybe. No, You mean, you mean to, to, to do a bit of a land grab for, on rugby union? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're I don't still fighting. So. I, I think. I remember, I asked it, funnily enough, I asked this question when we did the, we did these rugby history podcasts now with Professor Tony Collins, and I asked the question about when Rugby Union and Rugby League split back in 1895, Rugby League changed very quickly to have less players, more passing, why didn't it become the dominant rugby code? Yeah. Because it should have been better to watch. Agreed. Because they were making decisions to make money a professional sport. And his answer was, well, it's that same, it's the, you know, if you're so clever, why are you not rich? You know, that's not, that's not why people watch sport. People people who like squash think squash is brilliant. People who watch, you know, it's tied up in culture, in history, and where you come from, what your schooling was like. And I don't think even all these real changes that we're talking about isn't going to cause people to, to, to give up on. People feel rugby, both rugby codes, wherever you're from, very deeply. Yes. And I don't think it's it's that, it, it's, it's not that easy to break that. Do you
1: bond. know what? That- that is a cracking answer because you know if you just put my my theory against something like football, I mean, mm. yeah, you know, I love watching football as much as the next person, but I simply don't understand why it is as popular as it is, and maybe it is all those um, you know fringe things around it, which is drive, which is still driving the sport to be the absolute beast it is today.
0: Yeah, from a football, I mean, we can get into football, but I I think there's something, one, it's simple, and everyone can roll a ball to each other. Rugby becomes slightly more complex.
1: Yeah, it does take a little bit more, but rugby league isn't complex. Rugby league is a glorious sport. Rugby league should be the world's biggest sport. It should be taking over the USA. I mean, it's so easy to understand. Well, they were in
0: Denver last week, weren't they, I think, to make a start on that. It was a hell of a game they saw as well, to be fair. If you compare that to what Wales and South Africa offered...
1: Yeah, England, New
0: Zealand was an absolute world away. It was also lovely seeing loads of massive off the ball hits that not only did they not penalise, the commentators didn't even mention.
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't even
0: say, "Oh, somebody got smashed off the ball there." They just went, "Oh, we scored." Business as usual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My my favourite rugby league uh, highlight is it's Willie uh, Willie Willie Mason knocking out Stuart Fielding. Right, because yeah. A. Stuart Fielding thinks he is the hardest man on, on earth. Born at
0: that time, he did. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do amateur boxing and maybe pro boxing and no, you know, blah 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 blah. Willie Mason then knocks him cold. Now, in rugby union, I, even the lighter strike, rightly so, is a red card. Mm. I I do not know what would happen if someone knocked out a, another man in r- rugby union in in its current guise. I just ha- I assume it'd be straight to the UN for war crimes. I-, I don't know. But then the ref intervenes and goes, Willie, don't take the law into your own hands. I'll deal with it.
0: Well, they've brought in a punch and go rule now, haven't they? And a lot of people are kicking off, you know, the Biff merchants. are not happy about that at all, in, in Australia but particularly. Uh, Willie Mason's involved in another brilliant rugby league, and if you ever want to look it up on, on YouTube, have you ever seen the one where um, he's taking the piss out of the hacker? And then David Kidwell, the New Zealand yes, in I have. One, absolutely powders him and stands over him while he's on the floor, screaming and shouting at him while he's on the floor. And Willie Mason's a big guy. He walked past Huge. me at Bridge N once. He's a massive guy. What? There's also a great... a great Brian McDermott who's the current Leeds coach. You talk about hard people, right? Ex-Marine, ex-boxer, prop forward for International Rugby League. That's a pretty big
1: Ticks. trifecta of, of hard. You Ticks know? a lot of boxes, doesn't
0: it? And there's a, there's a Challenge Cup game where he that brilliant rugby fight thing you don't see very often where he sparked three people out as they ran towards him with perfectly measured blows <laughs> and then and then turned around before the ref even reached for his pocket because he knew what was coming. He just turned around and walked off. This, <laughs> that was fantastic. that was probably about 15 years ago. It was fantastic.
1: Have you ever read this story about Gerard Cholly? No. So Gerard Cholli, um he actually showed up in one of our first ever podcasts we were talking about. We don't really talk about him enough and it's just Episode after episode of him winning fights by horrendous <laughs> knockout. Um, <laughs> he was um, he was picked up by the chairman of I want to say Claremont or Perpignan. I've got a feeling it's Perpignan. After getting into, a f- I, I might have the exact details wrong. After um, he he's either fighting against a load of paratroopers or he was a paratrooper and the president <laughs> of Toulon Toulon um sorry of Clermont was like yes we need you signed him then went on to pe- play for France what period was that oh it's not that long ago i say not that long ago it must be 70s about yeah. about then
0: so absolutely prime psycho france period yeah,
1: yeah. basically yeah i love that
0: there's loads of good there's a there's a the brilliant fight between um Gordon Talis and um Terry O'Connor Terry O'Connor takes the biggest <laughs> punch on his chin you've ever seen and doesn't go down and comes back swinging. Terry O'Connor is from Witness Prop. He's he's so hard. He's he's a commentator now, a very relaxed, very insightful guy, but he's just so hard.
1: Yeah. He, all the best YouTube fights are rugby
0: league fights. I don't care what you say.
1: I, I completely. Agree. Did you um? Uh, have you ever come across um, uh, Whippets and Flat Caps podcast? I
0: have. I had a bit of a listen to it. That's that's the one that you you have a hand in producing, I believe.
1: Well, you know, the boys just sit in the rugby dungeon and do it. I have literally nothing. The only thing I do is make the tea, really. I make them tea, except for when it's really hot and I get them a beer.
0: You sit listening and make them feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just stare <laughs> at them. Just stare at John Wilkin <laughs> and never blink. He has that brilliant Challenge Cup one as
0: well. Where he busted his nose in the first five minutes and put an X-shaped bandage across his face. John uh,
1: Wilkin. Is it, was that John Wilkin or was that Andy Farrell? That's John Wilkin.
0: Oh, is it right? So Farrell may have done something similar, but Wilkin did it as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I got Wilkin to commentate over his own fights in the. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've not heard that one. I'll have to, I'll have yeah, to dig that one out. That's yeah,
1: kind of great. it's on YouTube. So I've got this little bit of kit where we can watch YouTube and then record over it. It's pretty. It's pretty standard. But I was like, John, we, we've, you know, we've got to talk talk, uh, uh, talk, talk over this. It was 19, and it was that classic draw on uh, Good Friday. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Is that the one when Andy Farrell goes? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, that, like, yeah, yeah, and this is my point, really. Do you want to say reestablished? And you said, well, was it ever-established? Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it definitely feels to me that people like Skullthorpe, uh, Andy, uh, Andy Farrell, um, Terry Newton, all those boys... I mean, they weren't exactly household names. Well, actually, Andy Farrell was definitely a household name, without doubt. Yeah,
0: I think that Clash of the Code thing helped with that, and winning the Middlesex Sevens and all that stuff, which he was part of. He had so much pace, Andy Farrell, when he was 22 years old. It's the biggest heartbreak of my life that an entire group of Rugby Union fans make a joke about his playing abilities. Yeah, completely agree. It it disgusts me, because he's one of the best rugby athletes this this country's ever produced.
1: Uh, So so when he moved to Saracens... um, I actually drove all the way to Watford to watch his first game. <laughs> that's brilliant! Yeah. Was that that reserve game that he played? No, he played it was his first game. first. Apparently, there were
0: only four people in the ground, and you could just hear this Wigan voice booming out, bollocking everybody. I think that was his first game in Union. That's just what he does, you know. And
1: it's amazing, isn't it? It must be amazing for him, like the step down from Wigan. I mean, you know, people don't think of Wigan as like a serious outfit, but even now, I mean, the professionalism that rugby league went through. Rugby Union still takes An awful lot from that So if you go back To like 10 years ago or, Well
0: the coaches Don't go the other way Do they?
1: No No Absolutely right Absolutely right You know Going from Wigan Which was like The most professional Probably the most, the most professional League club Into Saracens Who were training On school grounds And port cabins And all sorts You know Trying to make a living In, uh, Vic, on, in, in Vicarage Road You know It must have been A world away
0: Wigan were doing functional fitness plans in the in the like early nineties. Yeah, you know, where they were a, they were a world ahead, and that's why they were the best. They obviously they were backed by a lot of money, which helped as well because they could pay professional, full professional, which wasn't that common even then in rugby league.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's another reason. Uh, uh, you know, I think the rugby league hasn't been able to establish itself so well, or has been less established, is they have got a like a psychopathic tendency or, or, uh, almost to pay people who don't deserve to be paid. And <laughs> I, I don't mean in Super like Welsh
0: Rugby in the late yes, 90s. Yes, that's yeah. a
1: great point. So Welsh Rugby, yeah, that is, that is spot on. Welsh Rugby had more professional players than any other country on earth. The club that
0: I played for when I was in, which is Cardiff Harlequins, they got to the Swalec semi-final one year, paid everybody. Within two years, they were broke. They in yeah. Division 4, Southwest,
1: southeast. Yeah, But like... Um, Cardiff would be paying lads to play in Bangor In case their fourth choice uh, Flanker went down <laughs> And I like, just, like, as a retainer Just in case, we'll Bust you down to Cardiff and, and then you can play for us Madness
0: But yeah, so that's the and, and, Yeah, that's the thing about rugby league It's just, I think it's a little bit I think rugby and rugby league have got similar pr- problems Similar issues, if that's the right word In that, I I don't know where the Expansion comes from Yes and that's why I think the Procene have chucked their hand in with the South African money. Because I think they know that, the, that their market is kind of tapped out. Mm, and yeah. they've got to go somewhere else but, and find it.
1: I mean, maybe. I, I, I don't know about that. I think the Welsh game is so abysmally run by bad people uh, that they've got, they've got a, you know, so, so far to go. Ireland are kind of a model of, model of, of perfection. And then somewhere in between, you've got Scotland. Who seems to be doing all the right things I mean Scottish rugby is rapidly turning itself around And if it wasn't for the talent base in Wales I think there'd be oh, It'd be a miserable situation
0: He's moving in the right direction That's a whole other hour in itself isn't it But he's moving in the right direction I think Yeah
1: yeah I'm I'm Completely agree So uh, are you guys finished for the summer now? Are you? Um...
0: Well yes we're finished with a regular pod for the summer You may have seen we've set up this uh, Patron account thing now on Patreon, so basically, we are doing summer episodes, but they're only available to people who signed up as patrons. Ah, so tell so us, we are doing some
1: episodes. So tell us where we can find your Patreon and where we can find you on Twitter and the blog.
0: Well, I'm Twitter at Blood and Mud, that's uh-huh. me. Uh, uh, Josh is at Josh Gardner if you want to have a chat with him as well. Um, we are on bloodandmud.com, and then there's the Facebook page, and there's then patreon.com, that's P A T R E O N.com, slash Blood and Mud. It costs $2 a month to sign up as a patron, and then you get some. You get the Rugby History Pods, you get the Rugby Life interviews, you get, um, and then you get the summer episodes and probably some bonus episodes as well, from time to time.
1: Yeah, now, uh, I'm going to have to say, the Rugby History Pod, truly truly exceptional. Con- congratulations on that. And that yes. alone, for me, would be worth go- go- going on and signing up a patron. And
0: it's, you know, when you talk about, so, let's be honest, Jay, but I don't know about you, but some weeks you are a bit like, oh, it's been a bit shit this weekend, what we're going to talk about. I never enju- I- I've enjoyed the rugby po- history podcast so much. It's just it kind of for the light of history anyway. It's hugely, hugely entertaining to even just be part of them. Never mind, listen. Excellent,
1: right, mate. Well, uh, we've been yeah. d- got do, uh, doing this for an hour, so uh, yeah. I shall let you get get on with the evening. Thanks very much. Cheers. Excellent.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.